0: Hello, and welcome to episode 96 of The Winning Agenda. Uh, Tonight, our panel includes Dave Hoyland, two time Worlds Top Eight competitor and 2014 UK national champion. Hi, everyone. And Tim Fowler, the current Bring Another Brit to Worlds champion, who then went on to Top Eight Worlds last year. Uh, and he's also the 2015 and 2016 Nats runner-up. Hi, everyone. As Dave said just before we started recording, always the bride bridesmaid, never the bride. How are you, Tim?
1: Um, I'm really sad about it. I'm really sad about coming second Thanks for that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's all right. Um, so, yeah, welcome, Tim, uh, for your first trip to Winning Agenda Land, uh, your first sojourn on the internet. Um, yeah, thanks for coming along. Thank you very much for inviting me. Not a problem. Um, so we've got you along here for a couple of reasons, Tim. Uh, so Tim and Dave, both from the UK, uh, both here to share a little bit about the UK meta with us to talk about their regionals and national season, the the decks they've enjoyed, the decks they haven't enjoyed playing and playing against, uh, and the decks they've tried out that have worked and haven't. So we might start off with you, Tim. Uh, what have you found uh, through your regionals tournaments, but also in your testing have been your sort of biggest successes, biggest failures in terms of um, decks you've tried out, uh, and what have you found on the other side of the table? Um, well, I suppose the
1: regional season for me has had two halves, which is that they, halfway through the regional season came the update to the MWL um, list, which was a particular big, deal, particularly big deal for me because, as Dave knows, I did tend to play NEH Fast Advance. I mean, maybe literally every single time since I started playing the game, that was the deck I played.
0: No one can really blame you for that. No, that's right. I mean, um,
1: that's, yeah. that's exactly like now. Right.
0: When you look at when you look at those old deck lists, do you sort of cry a bit on the inside <laughs> and think how amazing was it that I used to get to play all these cards in my deck?
1: I know, right? Um, I actually have a framed <laughs> Astro in my house that Dave bought me as a present. Uh-huh. Um, so, so before the MWL, my lists were pretty set. So it was the sort of pretty standard Neh Fast Advance and then Kate, who was good at beating that very same deck. Um, I was playing a stealth version of Kate, uh, which I quite enjoyed. Um, I think she's pretty good against uh, Glaciers relative to normal Kate, uh, but still had the plot threat and clone ship.
2: I think you're preaching to the converter there.
0: Yeah, yeah, no argument here. <laughs>
1: oh, great. Well, is the right... Um, so I suppose when the MWL hit, the question was whether or not I could salvage some kind of fast advanced deck. And I really did try. And actually, I think they're not... Quite as bad as I originally thought. Um, but I think that the Astro Nerf combined with printing Part of the News uh, led me to believe pretty quickly along that Tag Storm NH- N- NBN was the right way to go. Um,
0: so, what sort of fast advanced deck did you try just before we get into those Tag Storm decks? Are we trying one with Merger? <laughs> yeah,
1: I tried Merger for one game uh, and then it sucked so hard I never played it again. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it, but I played Spags online and first turn ran R and D, stole merger, and he just conceded. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: it's a terrible card. Um, yeah, it, you can't really blame him. I mean, he would paid influence for that card.
1: <laughs> you can blame him for playing
0: it. Right? It's, it's 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 just it's it's
1: so appalling. If that's where they think we're going to yeah. go with three twos, you should just play something else because. I mean, we've seen how powerful GFI is, I mean, to the point mm. where every corp deck pretty much is running it. And then having the reverse ability, just, I mean, you shouldn't play it. Um, no. Uh, so so the original plan was first advance off Biotic and two Sansan, but with three breaking mm-hmm. news, three EOI. Um, so play GFI, so one Biotic, so GFIs, breaking news, one Biotic, Sansan and then try and score two bills or preferably an Astro in a bill, and then get your final three pointer off an EOI. And that's a pretty good deck. And I think given a lot of people have dropped clock because of the Astro and Earth, actually the power of Sansan really went up. Um, you know, it became yeah. a must trash card again straight away, which for five is pretty solid. Uh, and then I tried, have you guys heard the Russian NEH deck? So it's the one that can score off basically zero money because you have shipment um, and then the HB, the one that you can res to get three money, and also the one that gets you three for yeah, advanced assembly lines. Assembly, yeah. So, all those cards oh, that yeah. give you money for installs and also trigger Jeeves. So, you can usually score off zero money, um, which I think is really powerful in the current meta given Siphon, um, and also makes you incredibly fast. So, your basic plan is to be spamming out lots and lots and lots of cheap to res assets, some of which are Jeeves, some of which are team sponsorship, and then you can really get a train rolling scoring your cheap agendas um, but the problem with that deck is it wants to play about 14 agendas so it's incredibly vulnerable to r uh, and d dig and if they've got turntable and medium which lots of decks do i really don't think you've got a long-term plan you need to win out in about seven eight turns otherwise they'll just steal your best agendas and the, the original plan was was six, um, which seemed incredibly powerful given partisan news and I think just is incredibly powerful. I think that card in sync is, is really quite fearsome. Um, if it ever hits, they need to spend 12 on a turn to clear the tag. And you can play enough tag movement to really make it hurt. Um, so that was the deck I took to the Reading Regional. Um, and it went, I think, four, two, if it was six rounds at Reading. Or maybe even five, two, if it was seven. Can you remember how many rounds it was at Reading Day?
2: Seven.
1: Yeah, so it went went 5-2. One loss was to Dave. I always lose to Dave. And another loss to Guy. Um, So it did very well. And I think it is a very strong deck. But actually, I thought those losses, it wasn't just that Dave's a very strong player, though, of course, he is. Um, I think it exposed that the Siphon sink is very weak. Uh, If they can afford to go tag me and then keyhole you, I really don't have a game plan apart from resing information overload at the right time.
0: Econ Denial generally does quite well against Sync, which doesn't have an ID ability like ETF or NEH that allows it to recoup resources naturally.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. I
0: I mean, that's what I felt playing with Sync. You sort of sometimes feel like you want your ID to help you out in those situations.
1: I think my feeling is the Sync ability, maybe you don't have to build like this, but I think a lot of players, including me, Uh, go all in on the Tag Storm ability. Mm. Um, So almost all your influence is spent on either Econ or, or, well, probably just Econ. And then you probably got of your 44 slots, a good sort of eight or nine tag cards, tag punishment cards, maybe 10. So as soon as you get to a a game where those cards become much less relevant, so where they don't care so much about tag and they're just running through your raven, suddenly your ice is basically blank um and eoi never works against keyhole because they'll just try and score all in one turn yes. uh, and the qpms become useless. and you've just got this really you know roughly a third of your cards seems to be doing nothing and it's just not clear at all what your plan is apart from an absolutely huge psychographic field which doesn't seem like a sustainable plan and then guys was also a, a worrying game because he just dropped new angeles city hall I mean, it was just really yeah. embarrassing.
0: Yeah. When um, the, the games where you, your opponent has New Angeles City Hall and where they don't, you start to realize how much a tag is actually worth. <laughs> and it's a lot more than two credits. Like, the co has to work so much harder than that for a tag, usually.
1: Basically, it breaking news. I mean, I find yeah. the thing. I mean, I'll talk about CTM in a second because that was the deck I took to Nationals. But you know, the whole of those decks, are, I mean, their primary threat is the breaking news score, either into EOI or closed accounts. And as soon as you can pay four to avoid that, suddenly they're just trying to glaze you. right? Their only real yep. plan is just to score out behind ice. But all their ice is pan. Um, yep. And they have no scoring upgrades like Caprice or, or Axe. Um, so once they hit Nat, they're just going to check every card you put down. And it becomes very, very difficult indeed. I mean, obviously they need a critic as well. But once they've got those two cards, scoring becomes very, very difficult indeed. Um, so it was a game where actually I got to I had five points I was 5-0, and was totally behind. You know I knew as soon as those cards had hit the table that even though I was on five, the chance of me getting to seven were just him making a terrible mistake and and he didn't. Um, yeah. So I felt those two kinds of problems, so the resource denial keyhole deck, and the any deck that was playing NAC, which was both Geist and also Haley, uh, were enough of a problem for. Distinct, I to mean that it wasn't the deck to play
0: and and for our for our listeners who um i think that's a really good moment to sort of broaden the analysis of your thinking there were you also looking at how many other tagging decks there were in the metagame because i know you're about to get on to talk about ctm but um the fact that there were decks playing new angeles city hall and film critic presumably meant that they were quite worried about tags and then you, as a corp player, thinking, what corp deck am I going to play? If you're then going into a, a tag-heavy meta where the runners have a lot of cards to counter tags, your deck is inherently going to be less powerful. Was that sort of the way you analysed it?
1: Yeah, I think, it's, really, I think it's, it's good to have Dave on. So I think me and Dave think in very different ways when it comes to this stuff. So I very rarely try and play the meta in the sense of trying okay. to find... Um, but I think the, the right way to think about... I mean, your question is a really good one. You just don't want a deck with a disastrous matchup—a matchup where you think almost any player could beat me playing this this other deck, just because their combination of cards is so powerful against what I'm going to do—is very unlikely to
0: win. And if you if you analyze that that matchup is going to be you know reasonably common, or you're, there's a decent chance you're going to come across it in your six or seven rounds at a big tournament, um, do you generally try and maybe modify the deck, put one or two cards in that might swing that matchup back in your favour, and then if that doesn't work, just drop the concept? Or do you tend to just drop the concept?
1: Depends how much practice time I have and quite how serious the... So, I mean, I suppose you want to distinguish between what counts as a terrible matchup. So lots of people thought that Clock Kate was utterly disastrous for NEH, um, whereas I took it to Worlds because I thought, actually, I still have game here. Before the MWO, NEH could probably win about 40%, maybe 45% of the time uh a players of equal skill, I think that that's fine. I think it was very good against a lot of other runners and then it was the deck I knew and that was fine. Whereas if I thought there was a matchup where and as you say, it'd be reasonably common, but if if there's nothing I can do to get above sort of 25% chance of victory, that's the point I think at which you just need to to drop it. And I don't think you want to be sitting around trying to predict 150 other people's choices. I think the UK the uk met is really interesting. Lots of people think different ways. If there's a deck out there which is really good against what you're doing, you're going to have to assume that some people are playing it.
0: Did you have Cyberdex Virus Suite in your deck um, to counter those NEH threats, and was that your way of swinging that matchup back in your favor? And if so, uh, did you have any strategy for your sync deck to try and switch those matchups back in your favor that you said were unfavorable?
1: Okay, good question. So the answer is yes, Uh, Worlds are playing uh, two Cyberdex. Um, I think the best NEH deck, before the MWL actually was Asset Spam playing all three decks and three Team Sponsorship. Uh, I think that had actually a very favorable Shaper matchup because you could tend to recur the CVS once you've got one score. And obviously at the time you had all three Astro. So once you've got one Astro and a recursion, I think you're in a pretty good play.
0: And it was certainly very hard. Uh, you know, I also played pretty much exclusively Shaper before the MWL and um, it certainly was very hard to deal with that many Assets.
1: Yeah, Shaper in a very bad place um, against asset spam uh, decks in general. Your you to plan is to either stop them scoring entirely if they want to score out or just loop the win off R&D because Shaper just don't have enough credit, even as prepaid Kate, to trash all the assets.
0: Uh, but anyway, sorry, I, I distracted you to answer <laughs> So back back to the sync deck and whether you had any answers there.
1: Is there a similar way of making sync uh, more robust to, to the threats against it? Um, and that's actually what I'm working on now um so so it's a very good question indeed um so if i'm going to jump to the sort of end so sort of past national testing to my my sort of thinking about things now i I think sync is actually sync is really tempting to me um because that's an incredibly good dlr matchup um because you can flip uh to the to the the other side and trash all the ratchets for zero or two if they have a wireless net on the table um so it's very hard and, and they have a lot of burst economy so it's quite hard to Completely siphon lock them. Um, so the question is can you make them a bit more robust to siphon anarchs and to criminals, uh, especially criminals playing networking, which is a very hard matchup for you? Uh, and to be honest, I think I, I'm not sure about that. I don't know if anyone else wants to jump in. Um, I've tried playing Crisium Grid and I've tried playing slightly less tagging ice and more end the run ice. And I think it does give you a bit more game. Um, but probably not enough. Um, I mean, Closed Accounts is a very, very good card against Siphon Anarch and Siphon decks in general, but Networking is very, very good against Sync. It's much better against Sync than it is against CTM.
2: And it's very popular.
1: Yeah, it is, and I think most Criminal decks are going to be playing it, and Criminal are going to see a resurgence given the Mujin contract. Um, And I think that matchup is really quite hard for Sync. Um, I think it's much worse for Sync than Kate was for any
0: before we get on to Tim's nationals testing, Dave, did you have any thoughts on that?
2: So, actually, I, one of the things that um, Tim said kind of, I guess, slightly amused me, which is his deck of reading went five and two, and I know loads of people would be like, five and two—that's that's really good. If my runner deck does the same, that's probably enough for the cut. So it's really interesting that in Tim's testing he went, well, actually, five and two is not good enough. Yeah. Um, there are too many there are too many decks out there where I could just flat lose and okay I've only seen two but I just I just lost
0: that's um quite interesting because it, it comes down to I guess the way you lose doesn't it and Tim corrects me if you think differently but um certainly the way that I approach testing in those sorts of situations is if I'm losing games where I sort of feel like no matter what I draw I have no outs that's a pretty miserable place to be and if I can't modify my deck against that opposing deck um to give me some outs and give me some way to beat it um then i don't want to sit down at a tournament against that deck and just feel like i'm automatically going to lose is that is that what you were feeling tim with those matchups
1: yeah exactly i mean it wasn't just those two decks already I, I, I played that matchup um so i played a few games against people playing Siphon Arc, and then the one that really got me was um you must have all played against the Haley fikan deck
0: yes um yeah.
1: so a couple of the very best uk players like so chris dyer and laurie Poulter, they both had a version of that with nat um i think maybe even two nat by the end um and we played so they're, they're people i test with quite a lot and i don't think i won any game as think at all um maybe mm. one off a crazily fluky i mean you get to the point where you just have to start installing naked agendas from turn one and if you draw all your agendas quickly and they draw no good cards you might win because they can't afford to run at you early um but they can get up in about yeah, you know, they they probably get set up in five six turns, and then you're in terrible trouble. Um, so to, to your thought, Jesse, yeah, I think once you get into that kind of place where you feel like it's not just that I'm making mistakes and it's not just that I'm drawing badly, it's that my deck just doesn't seem to have the resources to combat this. That's a very bad place to be. It.
0: Mm. So then, um, how how did you approach nationals then with that sort of experience in mind, and what changed?
1: Well, basically, what changed is we realized that CTM has much, much more game against that kind of deck than Sync. And the the reason is that CTM is much less focused on tagging than Sync is. So I think I started playing CTM well when I realized it's a rush ability with tag as a threat to stop them if they try and come at you too quickly. So you want to be getting end the run ice down early and trying to score behind that ice early and then if they commit all their resources to stop you scoring, then you can heartily use them and do some terrible things to them. But it's a plan B rather than a plan A. Um, yeah. And it's fueled by, I mean, the CTM ability in general is really good because it lets you play Sensei and Commercial Bankers, which in combination yeah. are the best cards for
0: rushing the game. If, if they trigger more than once, then you're so far ahead. As
1: a slight aside, I think if anyone's listening and wondering how to play against CTM, just always trash those assets. Even Hmm. if you're totally certain you're going to get hard-hitting news, you can't let them fire. Um, Because if they're both firing, or even if just one of them's firing, particularly the Sensei, because it'll find the rest of them, they'll eventually find the cards they need to punish you. Um, And you can deal with being tagged four times. It's annoying and and very bad, but it's not the game. But having a Sensei on the board for a long time, having Bankers on the board for a long time, there's no way the runner will come back from that. Um, Hmm. So I felt that ctm wasn't quite as strong against some some decks it wasn't as good against dlr it wasn't as good against some kind of anarch i think it's probably weaker to Dumblefork. fork but to go back to my original thought i don't think it has any disastrous matchup and i felt that with enough testing and with enough sort of player skill it was robust across the entire field in a way that i didn't think sync was
0: so then um how did it perform for you on the day you obviously got to the top card and you made it to second place so it must have done reasonably well. Talk us through what went right. Um, and then in the final, what went wrong in terms of a deck that was well prepared for your CTM?
1: So I haven't talked about runner much, but it's just worth quickly saying. So it was actually my runner. I mean, both decks did, did reasonably well, but my runner was the one that carried me. So my runner went, I don't think my, my runner didn't drop a single game all weekend. So it went okay. 9 or 10-0. Um, and that includes a game in the, in the final. So all the losses were for Ctm.
2: Was that because of hate, Tim, do you think, more than anything else? Or was it because people who knew how to play against it? Or both?
1: Well, so I lost two games to the eventual champion with a very well-teched-up deck.
0: What cards in particular in his deck did you find difficult? Was it the rabbit holes and the link?
1: Rabbit holes annoying. The one that's actually most annoying is just Opus. Um, I mean, it's hilarious that Mm. Opus has become kind of scary, but the ability to recover so quickly from a closed account um, is incredibly strong um the ability to have econ on the board which is entirely immune to tag so you can't trash it is incredibly strong um and when he gets the link going as well it becomes a very fearsome deck for Ctm, i think uh because mm-hmm. then he's got the money and the link to be able to trash all your best assets without fear and he can basically just remote lock you, um which is more or less what he he did so yeah that was that was that, was, that were two of the losses the deck suffered um, and then I lost to uh, someone who Dave practices with an awful lot, Mark Mottram, who's an exceptional player, uh, and he was playing the siphon out there. And what happened wrong there was I committed all my resources to blocking siphon and keyhole, uh, and never actually got around to building a remote. I just had never had enough money or time without one of those threats coming through, and eventually my R&D was so stacked, he just ran it a few times and, and won. Um, hmm so i think that matchup ctm is better off there than it than sync was but it's still quite a tricky one uh, again because the tag punishment is much less relevant so they can just start trashing all your assets from turn one
0: um that's great uh, so tell us a bit about your your runner and what what were you playing and how did that go on the day obviously you said it was undefeated
1: so i'm i'm, I'm a member of the cult the cult of jot so i just basically pay whatever the big boy thinks is is good um uh-huh. And so I, I played Dumblefork. Fork. Um, yep. I play a modified version of, of Dumblefork. Fork. So um, I think the the one I think I was, this is an idea of my friend Chris. The playing Corroder is incredibly strong right now. Um, lots and lots of CTM decks in the top cut. Almost all of them have three resistor, two wraparound, um, and you can blank all of those ice for only two money. Um, and in fact, blanking them with Corroder is better than crashing them because you don't then trigger CTMs tag ability um yeah. the corrosion is an incredibly strong card against ctm so I was, I was very happy to have that and then another feature of the deck which comes to, to mine and dave's game is because of ctm i was playing a lot of punishment, lot of punishment against that ability so I playing two employee strike and two soul set slum and it just yeah. turned out that they were really useful in a range of games so they're very good against ig i played a gagarin hot tub deck uh, piloted by jason deng and in all those games, those cards were utterly invaluable. So I really felt the wizard deck could could play sort of real Netrunner, so to speak. And it, you know, it can remote lock or it can hit R&D hard, um, but it's incredibly strong against the assets spam deck. Um, so I yeah. felt it was a really strong deck across the field.
0: Hollis, did you have any questions for Tim before we move on to Dave?
3: Tim, in, specifically, uh, there's a few specific choices that are, that are in, your, in your decks that I just have questions about and if, about their effectiveness. So number one, in your, in your Corp deck, I noticed that there's two, uh, to me, interesting includes. One of which is um, Little Engine. I know that Little Engine kind of goes in and out of, uh, of a lot of NBN decks, primarily because of like, the initial like, harsh gear check it does towards like Faust decks when you have to lose a lot of cards all at once. Um, how effective was this uh, for you during the day? And it's a similar question moving forward to targeted marketing. Targeted marketing? It sounds like an excellent card versus those Haley Spikeham decks. Was that the primary reason for its inclusion?
1: Uh, no. So it's so different reaction. So targeted marketing is amazing um mm-hmm. and so yeah i never actually did get to play against the spy cam deck but it's obviously just hilarious you'll just win the game uh, but actually the primary the, the, the primary work there's two primary reasons in the deck so first of all it's a way of getting rid of strike employee strike without scoring um, mm-hmm. so lots and lots of wizard decks are playing employee strike without that they're in a much worse place against ctm than they are with it um, as an added bonus you can name faust if they haven't played it and then put something behind ice, and they pretty much have to play Faust and give you 10 credits, or David if it's a strength five ice. Um, and then obviously, siphon. Um, so, targeted marketing on siphon combined with the cruisium grid gave me some game against the siphon deck, which I'd been saying to Jesse were a real problem for the Tag Storm MBN build. So, targeted marketing, I was 100% happy with, I, I'm almost to the point where I would have wanted two. Um, Little Engine
2: i'm less convinced
1: <laughs> I'm much less convinced by it. the thing is though, as a wizard player, I know how annoying that deck is to Faust David deck um, yeah. it's brilliantly annoying because if you want to spoon it you have
0: to
1: you have to spend an entire David and forego the five credit um or it's two David counters a time admittedly you're getting five credits, but david counters are be- David counters are very very valuable right now um with um with Wizard and the new MWL having to lose all of his clone chip, he really doesn't have access to very many David counters. So a very, very powerful way of blocking that deck is to install lots and lots and lots of high strength ice and then also deny him data token. And he's not gonna be able to remote lock you through that. That's one of the reasons I played Corroda to get through wraparound without having to spend David counter. So I know how annoying it can be, it just never quite worked for me and actually, just to give a final story about Little Engine, I was saying it's a game I lost to, to my friend Mark, um, and I had the Little Engine on R&D, but I really wanted to hardly use him the next turn, which would have turned on my win condition. Uh, and he had a David on the board, so he ran R&D, and if I'd res the Little Engine, it would have cost me five and gained him five, because he could have spent two counters for an access and five credit, uh, and that would have been enough to mean I couldn't have tagged him. So I let him in and he scored an agenda, and he runs again, but actually the calculation was the same, and he scores again, and then he just wins off R and D. Uh, I think, I, in fact, I res I on the third run, but by that point he's, he's far ahead and will eventually win off random accesses, which was exactly the right move on his part. Um, so it is a very big downside, as you say, the fact that you have to spend five, and it doesn't punish space deck at all, and the fact that it potentially gives the runner five when they want it are big downsides, so maybe I would drop it. Um, I think it's almost good enough,
3: but probably not quite. Excellent, thank you.
0: Great, thanks, Tim. Um, we might move on to uh, Dave then. Dave, how did you find your regional season? How did it all go? Um, you had some success, I believe. Then, how did you find your national season? How did that go?
2: So, regionals was um, very interesting for me because um, the the matter seemed, to, especially in the UK, seemed to shift quite a lot um, partway through regional season. So um the first the first region or two it was everyone was on wizard um and there wasn't a huge amount of variety um kind of on the runner side um but towards the end of regional season there was a huge amount of variety so there was um lots of people still playing kind of um kind of haley decks a variety of haley decks some Sha- um in fact just a variety of shaper decks um Criminal still wasn't particularly popular, but there were lots of different Anarchs. Um, and that m- was much more interesting for me. Um, I quite like trying to predict what people are going to play and what's good in a particular meta. Um, Tim likes to find like the best yellow deck he can find and then kind of abuse that. Um, yep. So.
0: so perhaps I'll um, redirect my earlier question that I directed at Tim to you instead, Dave. How... For our listeners' benefit, how do you go about that task of analysing the metagame? Um, what tools do you use? And what do you find most persuasive in terms of forming that judgement about what you think people are going to play?
2: Um, so, there's a lot of different sources. So, people are very influenced by what's popular online. So, if um, kind of a DB deck decklist of the week is a very good deck, or it's won a very big tournament... Often people will play it. If people yep. like Kiv or Code Marvelous or whoever else who have um, YouTube channels, if they're um, if they're playing a deck such as you know Kiv was playing Hayley Spycams for a, a good while, that makes it more popular. Um, and so, and you know when people like uh, Dandy um, or other well-known players are doing playing a particular deck, people play it. And those are the things I tend to look at to say, right, what what the people are going to to be playing, and what's a good counter to those decks. Um, so, I had a fairly good regional season. Um, so, I won two regionals, one which was 66 people, and one which was 90, I think. So, um, pretty good. And I won those with um, totally different decks. So, okay. the first regional I won with what is now quite a well-known deck, which is 49-card um, IG, so Dedication Ceremony in. Um yep. So I've been working with Chris Hinks on it for a little while, um, and basically no one really knew what it was in the UK um, until...
0: Until you murdered them with it, viciously. <laughs> yeah, basically.
2: Um, now it's obviously quite well-known. but um, So that did very well. Blame Hanks, that's all I'd say. Because I I seem to just uh, fangirl uh, the same people, Um, the other deck I took to that regional was Apocalypse Kate, um, which Elad's done a lot to make quite famous. Um, So I was kind of struggling with uh, Runner. Um,
0: Because you couldn't play your blue decks?
2: Yeah, blue's really in a rough place. Um, blood. Um, Hopefully that'll change now, Blood Money's out, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. so but Apocalypse was I like decks with tricks, so and playing a a deck with a trick, which because I never played the deck before at a tournament, it caught a lot of people out and I won a lot of games through the surprise factor. So yeah, I was really pleased with um kind of that. And then um a few weeks later I um took down the Reading Regional with um Siphon Wizard and um NEH butcher Shop. So the interesting one for me it was reading was because of the spy cam decks um, we didn't think that the IG deck was particularly viable it's probably a bit too slow and therefore the spy cam decks just gets set up so um, I was thinking right what's going to be good um, and what we came up with was a most wanted list to butcher shop. Um, and it was, you know, I used uh, Josh Wilson's um, winning list from one of the American nationals, actually. Um, yep. <laughs> as, as the, I can't remember which one it was. Um, one of the, the American
0: play, nationals, yeah.
2: Uh, they've got two. I just can't remember what they're called. Yeah. But, um, the, but, yeah, so I used that as the basis for it. And then because I couldn't play Astro three Astros anymore, um, basically adapted it so it had things like... Um, Quantum predictive models um, to help me get that second agenda scored, um, and therefore allow me to trigger 24/7. And
0: all sorts of fair cards, basically.
2: Yeah, Um, and that was absolutely ridiculous all day because everyone kind of seemed to be ready for this much slower kind of meta. um, You know, with no Astros, and uh, you know, no no one needed to worry about taking clot, so taking a really fast deck which really punished people for not being able to stop breaking news or, you know, kind of, um, fast advancing off a Sansan, um, you know, really hurt people, so.
0: Yeah, and I think that, um, that comes back to a discussion we had a very, very long time ago on the show about aggressive mid range and control decks and the fact that when you're approaching a tournament you want to try and choose a deck that is the opposite speed to what everyone else is playing, um. So if everybody else is preparing for control decks and slow decks, and you know uh, certainly a meta game that's slower than Astro, and you can try and hypercharge your speed so that you're going as fast as you possibly can, you give yourself a decent chance of outracing them. Um, was that sort of your thinking?
3: I've yeah, exactly. Interpreted that.
0: what
2: you said there a little bit.
0: Yeah.
3: I
2: mean, I'm not, some time ago, I can't remember. It was there was a tournament in the, the states where they. I can't remember if they banned Astro or if they restricted, did a like a restriction. Um, it was, you know, big fan, uh, kind of run tournament, um, and the winning deck from that tournament was HB Fast Advance. So it's it's one of those kind of things which I, I really enjoy, and I'm probably not as good as I need to be at, uh, which is predicting the meta and what people are going to play, and therefore playing the, the, a good counter for it. That's great,
0: right. so, Hollis. Do you have any questions for
3: Dave? yeah so i mean specifically regarding like your uh your uh MBN deck i'm i recalling uh i calling uh, talking with you about this deck list and you you had some uh, also some uh, other interesting includes things like lily lockwell um how useful was that card in particular on the day well uh in that regional
2: so lily lockwell um it was only a one of um i would like more but um it's a space factor um so so the decks running mid so if you land a mid seasons and you've got Lily Lockwell, then you can just go and get your kill pieces and you probably won. Um, if you can't land a mid seasons, then uh, Lily Lockwell gives you two things. Um, if they've stolen an agenda and you have a credit advantage, um, then drawing three cards clickless, can help you get to that mid season, or alternatively, if you've got part of your kill combo um Put an, and an opportunity, um, then she can help you draw into the rest of your kill combo, and it's all—it's effectively clickless draw. So, and that's the important bit: it's clickless, so you can still do the the full combo. Um, the thing I mainly used it for, um, which is, is scoring out. So often you'll be applying pressure on people. You know, have a res sand, sand behind something like a data raven, um, and so. You get up to kind of four or five points, and and then you, they start to lock you down. And it, When you get an opportunity to score, because, and you're just like, well, if I could draw a Breaking News now, I win. And then that Lily Lockwell res, uh, drawing three cards will often win you the game.
0: So it helps you to get past the R&D locks and get the cards you need, the agendas from a little deeper? Is that the, the strategy
2: there? Yeah, pretty much. Um, and yeah. The, the point being, there's not a lot of things in the game which give you clickless draw yep
0: great Hollis any, anything else for Dave on the other decks he played uh,
3: I, I'm always the most nitpicky person when it comes to like deck choices uh, I, I really don't have an, nothing uh, immediately I guess stands out I, uh, I do have a question uh, just one more real quick is the version of the IG deck that you that you played for that tournament is it similar to what Dan played at Worlds it's
2: pretty similar yes uh, okay. it's not card for card identical um The original list that um, Chris Hinks was playing um, only had like four or five ice, which is, so if you look at the list Colin Hannah took to Gen Con, it's pretty similar to that. Um, My list had a lot more ice, like vanilla, um, vortex log, I think I had a Ugura in uh, some of the versions. Um, So, and that was just to stop kind of like the early medium digs or you know, getting siphon locked and things like that. Um, so when me and Chris were bouncing ideas back and forth, I think that the increase in ice is probably something that came about because it, it just stops you losing really early.
0: Okay, so that, that was a sort of evolution of the deck, was it? Yeah.
3: All right, Thomas Daniel, the Swamp King here. I hope you all enjoyed that fantastic discussion, and there's plenty more where that came from. Tune in next week where you can hear about Dave Hoyland's Nationals experience, and we get into a deep discussion about intentional draws. I can't wait for that one. As always, if you like what we're doing, you can support us on Patreon. You can email us at thewinningagenda at gmail.com, talk to us on Twitter at winningagenda, or get us on Facebook at The on behalf of all the panelists, and myself, we'll see you next week.
2: Bye. I was going to say, the thing I love most about Hollis is, fact it's what, 6.30 in the morning and he's wearing sunglasses.
3: Yeah. No, I, well, I, I'm looking, no, no, I'm not looking at a... For the record, I don't know if this is going to be edited out. But I hope it is. I'm not looking at porn. I'm looking at Tim's. I'm actually looking at Tim's deck list, like his UK nationals deck. We can we can definitely see the reflection in your glasses, and we're not going to
0: comment to the internet as to what the content of your screen is.